Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favor and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this after-lodge banter. A little less conversation, a little more action. All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me. A little more bite, a little less spark. A little less fight, a little more spark. Close your mind and open up your heart and maybe satisfy me. Satisfy me, baby. Baby, close your eyes and listen to the music. Dig to the summer breeze. It's a groove and I can show you how to use it. Come along with me and put your mind at ease. Hey! Less conversation, a little more action. All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me. A little more bite, a little less bark. A little less fight, a little more spark. You shut your mouth and open up your heart. Baby, satisfy me. Satisfy me, baby. Welcome to episode 175 of the After Lodge podcast, brought to you from the narrowed halls of, of my lev- living room, where everybody's come to join me. Uh, we have the usual crew this evening, including Worshipful Producer Bruce. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, producer, in fact, Nick. What's going on, guys? Uh, Cartman, Jeff. Hey, everybody. Back. And uh, I'm sure Tony will pop in at any moment. And then uh, there's some random guy that Nick found on the internet. Uh, so, <laughs> Brother Brian Godwin, uh, welcome Hello. to the After Lodge podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you. So, uh, Brian, we have a, a tradition here on the After Lodge podcast of having our guests tell us what they've been up to since the last time they were on the After Lodge podcast. So for you, here's a hint. It starts with first there were dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, carry on. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, having never been on the show, where to begin? Where would you guys like me with to be? Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. <laughs> just a just a brief uh, history of your uh, Masonic uh, experience, if you would. Well, the first lodge that we opened was a bunch of dinosaurs back in five thousand six hundred and seventy-two BC. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, I became a Mason in, uh, 2012. Um, I am a member of Culver City Fauché number 467 out of California in the Los Angeles area, uh, currently serving them as senior deacon. Um, I'm also the head of their education committee and their esoteric studies committee and in charge of bringing their lecture series to life as well. Um, I'm a member of most of the bodies and pretty active in all of them, particularly in our Royal Arch chapter, which is uh, is 
pretty pretty lively here in California. The, the independent bodies really get together quite a bit. Um, they actually all operate as independent bodies and meet monthly and separately, uh, which I know isn't the case in a lot of areas. So we have enough membership to actually do that. Um, yeah, and other than that, I often get to uh, write articles for publications like uh, the Southern California Research Lodge's uh, Fraternal Review. Um, I also do talks all around uh, Southern California on topics like the history of uh, the Bavarian Illuminati, um, do a talk about the Copiale cipher and its impact on masonry and the really crazy coding that went into it. Uh, Cleopatra's Needle, which is an obelisk in New York. There's a whole slew of topics that people invite me to yammer on about. So I do a lot of public speaking in and around SoCal. SoCal. He said SoCal. If only Jason was here. <laughs> uh, so you have to tell us, uh, as Bruce was starting on about before we started, you know, live streaming. Uh, what about the hair? How, how do you how do you pull off the hair? The hair. It's a wig. It's just it's so much easier to just strap this thing on in the morning and just kind of like. I, I, I don't believe it. If that's a wig, oh, I need to meet your wig maker because I need me one of them. <laughs> Guys, he's in Hollywood. Obviously, has a hair guy. <laughs> yeah, my hair guy. Blues me. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yes. Um, so no, it's it's fun that you do Masonic education, considering the uh, the foray that I got myself into last week uh, in my own lodge. And uh, how do you how do you go about? about doing that in a lodge where often there's a number of elder brothers who just want you to stop talking so they can go home. Right. I mean, it's a challenge. And, um, you know, the interesting thing about lodges, as we all know, is there's an ebb and flow as membership changes and people join and people leave and uh, new people are in charge every year. There's these cycles that all lodges go through, I think. Um, of different types of interest. And when I joined my lodge, there was already a very big movement um, to focus on um, observant masonry in that lodge specifically. And there was a little book club that was kind of happening. And with this book club, we'd all get together and talk about topics on Sundays. Um, and that kind of evolved into something a little bit more formal, uh, which began with a monthly article written for our trestle board just called the Esoterica column, and I was in charge of writing that. And so I think that the uh, trestle board got some attention from our membership and also from other members from other lodges, and particularly uh, the quality of writing that was happening at the time in that trestle board, not just my column, but all of the officers' columns were, were really excellent. And that was a great springboard because it's easy to get a publication going since we have to send a communication out every month anyway. Um, and it was convincing people like, hey, this is interesting stuff. I want to hear more about it. So the book club turned into Trestleboard articles, and then that turned into a lecture series. Uh, the master at the time uh, tasked me with uh, putting together a lecture series. And I said, all right, well, I don't really know anyone to get to talk, so I'll talk because I'm always willing to talk. And I did a couple of presentations. And, you know, I think what we did differently for better or worse, is our presentations were not during our stated meetings. So you could come if you wanted to. You didn't have to if you didn't want to. And that kind of stopped the, hey, I want to go home thing. They were done in the afternoon on Sundays. 
Um, Culver City Foche is kind of unique. They have an open house every single Sunday um, where anyone can come and visit the lodge, tour, ask questions. And we're kind of piggybacking on that where people would just kind of stay um, and listen to a lecture. And uh, it grew quite a bit. You know, for a couple of years, we had some wonderful presenters come out. Um, Grandmaster of California spoke once on observant masonry. We've had Tim Hogan out. We've had you know, all of these kind of top tier guys that you hear about lecturing around the country were lecturing at the time at Fauché. So That's for cool. a while, we were getting pretty good crowds. Are you, so, now, you guys are allowed to do something on Sunday because it is very clear that we are not allowed to meet in any capacity on Sunday. We call it a jurisdiction as well. Yeah, we call it an ice cream social. Yeah, we have nothing in our, uh, we, we call it the California Masonic Code. Some people call it, you know, everybody's got either a constitutions or a code or what have you, but there's nothing in there about not being on Sundays. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think we can do degree work on a Sunday, but uh, this is just literally an open house. And, you know, uh, it used to be really well attended. Now there's probably about 15, 20 people that show up. For a while, more people are coming on Sundays than they were at a lodge, which is <laughs> pretty good. Well, that's what I was going to ask, is if you're not doing this sort of thing during Lodge, what are you doing during Lodge? It's a darn good question, and, um, you know, not much, and, and that's sort of the hard part, right? And, and this will probably dovetail into the conversation about new Lodges in California and, and why I think we need them. Um, but, you know, everybody complains about the stated meeting. you got to get through the business, and, some of the, and it's important, right? You have, you have to pay the bills. You, you have to talk about the roof that's leaking. You have to be able to have discussions about this stuff. Um, you have to announce the calendar. You need to have a place to say, hey, we're going to have a speaker come next Tuesday night. Um, you need to, you know, be able to ballot. All, all the stuff that we do during a, a typical stated meeting is the same. I think in most jurisdictions, and, and that's what we do. But we do not currently, nor have we had education at Culver City during the stated meeting. Our stated meetings are incredibly long. The minutes reading process is outrageously long, like insanely long. And I, I don't think anybody likes it, but it's just what it is. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that fits most lodges. Yeah, indeed. We've been making some efforts here to alter the rules a bit so we can do some things like consent agendas and business through committee, yep. um, et cetera. However, those efforts have been less than fruitful thus far. So um, Bruce thought it would be a good idea at our last meeting to kindle the flames of, of our own lodge uh, by having a, a educational thing during lodge, uh, which presented that and it went very well i think I, even, Fantastic. even some, in, some of the old guys were leaning forward and listening which is uh we, I've never seen in our lodge what was it on uh it was a track called this is your brain on freemasonry um we took a dissection of george washington's brain and showed how he was a mason with neuroscience <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I basically ripped off a lot of Chuck Dunning's work uh, and some stuff from Sam Harris. What, what I talked about last week, um, essentially it was comparisons to um, Masonic ritual as an obscure form of, of group meditation on a, a Western mysticism theme and the practical you know, neuroscience-y impacts that that can have on you outside of Lodge. Um, and I was soliciting for some testimony on how that had happened to other people, but the only guy that spoke up was my brother. 
Um, and the theme was, you know, like attention being the the most precious commodity we have these days because everyone's competing for it. Like it's worth more than gold. Um, leveling your attention in Freemasonry and not dealing on your phone, but being engaged in and focused on the ritual work that we're doing uh, is has its own benefits in that sort of new age mindfulness thing, except we were doing it before it was cool. Right. Um, and, and it was basically 30 minutes of stuff along those lines. Um, I won't regurgitate the entire thing here, but that it, it was an interesting thing to start, right? I didn't dive headfirst into Western mysticism because we've got some of the old guys who think of Masonic education as an apprenticeship at the fish fry. Right. Um, so I thought I'd start with something that's not mysticism-y. I just made that word up. Uh, but much more, you know, scientific, practical. And then the hope is that we'll eventually move in that direction. Uh, the other hope is that uh, other people <laughs> will engage in these sort of lectures. And I have this fear that if I really want this to happen, I'm going to end up much more like what you did, Brother Godwin, and uh, somehow get roped into doing that Pick up alone. Yeah, I fell into that trap. I, I totally know what you mean. It's it's a it's a real fear, man. It's uh, you know, it starts off strong and people have ideas and then they run out of ideas and then you're kind of left yeah. holding the ball to continue it. <laughs> well, that um, would be the single hardest thing I would think. I mean, how do you get other people interested when when you're the one and and you want to do this and you don't even mind showing up week after week? Eventually, you you, you have to pull other people in. How do you? How do you do that? Well, as worshipful master, you say you're doing education, and they say yes, worshipful master. And you say, that's basically you. what happened right here on this <laughs> podcast. Nick, I can only get away with that so many times. <laughs> hey, I did education for the local lodge every single meeting, twice a month for an entire really? year and a half. Yeah, but in York, together? right? We just transfer it. We just, you know, pass it around. How many times can you talk about George Washington being a Mason? Shut up. I <laughs> but it, and even when I was on vacation or I didn't go to the lodge or something, I made sure some somebody had something to talk about just so it became tradition. And there were some guys who were kind of like, eh. But you're like, hey, it's being done. The tradition's going. The tradition's going. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what we do in our Royal Arts chapter, too. I, you know, I like to think of our chapter as kind of a little microcosm of what I'd like to be in almost a perfect lodge. And every officer has to give a presentation each month. Exactly. Yeah. It can be 10 minutes. You can read it. It doesn't matter. It can be something you found on the web. You can write it yourself. Everybody's got different capacities, but everyone can benefit either from the research process, whether it's just researching and finding something interesting, or the writing process and writing something of their own interest. Um, at the least, they're going to get better at public speaking and presenting in front of an open lodge. Um, and it works really well. One of the reasons it works well, though, is that a Royal Arts chapter tends to be fewer members. They tend not to own, to own a building. They tend to have a whole lot less bills to pay and a whole lot less stuff to deal with. Um, we generally get applicants twice a year uh, for the two festivals we do. And, you know, there's just a lot less business to carry. So you end up being able to have 10 to 30 minutes of education and gavel to gavel. You're in and out in like 75 minutes. And then Absolutely. You 
hang out and have a beer. So it works really well in, in that's a small. Beer, he says. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> so, so with the York right that David Riley and I and are part of, and we're trying to revive and all that stuff. We've always been told you need nine people to open, right? Chapter, you need nine people open. We just found out this week after sweating again twice a month for the past year, trying to find nine people every single month so we could open that council in council and commandery in Florida. You only need six people to open. Hmm. Well, you can't do uh, degree work. So the uh, illustrious master has to say, I declare it open, and then you kind of just open, which is kind of cool because that saves like 25 minutes right there. But you could vote, pay bills, you just can't do degrees. Makes sense. We need nine here. That's, that's a, a definite rule. So, Brian, you had mentioned uh, your idea of a, of a perfect lodge. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you speak on that and more to why you felt... Um, why you know why you're why you're wanting to start another one? Sure. Well, you know, I th I'll start by the blanket statement that there is no one perfect lodge, but I think each of us have a lodge in mind that they would love to attend and be a part of, um, and that there's a big, big, wide open space for lots of different types of perfect lodges. Um, you know, some could be focused on social, some could be focused on charitable efforts, some could be focused on education, some could be focused on uh, esotericism. You know, there, there's room for lots and lots of different types of perfect lodges. Um, and that plays into something that's happening in California right now. The Grand Lodge is actually pushing for many new lodges to be chartered. And the concept of almost the idea that they've thrown around is micro lodges or just smaller lodges. The idea being that it's a lot easier to get 20, 30, 40, 50 guys to agree on what Perfect Lodge is than 100 and something people. Absolutely. And particularly the, the extra 100 that never show up and show up when there's a vote, right. those are the hardest guys to please and make a Perfect Lodge. But you're, the odds are, you know, with, with 20 guys, you, you probably can find 20 guys that want to do the same thing over, and over each month, you know, and, and grow it organically and slowly. And so they're really encouraging this concept of designing different types of lodges. Um, you know, for me, having, you know, traveled for work a lot, I've had uh, some experience in visiting a variety of lodges and seeing different workings and how stuff is done around and how it can be done really, really poorly and how it can be done really, really well. Um, you know, I go back and forth between New York and Los Angeles probably every two months or more frequently. And for me, you know, I, I love my New York lodges. I think they're all pretty great. Um, the majority of them are really swift when it comes to doing the business at their stated meetings. Um, they'll, you know, sort of wave reading of the minutes and they'll say as distributed, anybody have any problems, talk about it later. Um, <laughs> you know, they'll really get through it in a crisp manner. Um, and then they'll usually have some sort of educational topic, uh, you know, for 20, 30 minutes in the middle. Um, and, you know, then they'll gavel out and they'll all go to dinner and dinner will either be a large festive board type of thing or it'll be at our local restaurant or it'll be in the lodge 
Um, but these dinners are well attended. They usually contain some festive board ritual involved, um, lots of discussion, and you know some lubrication for those that want to partake in it in terms of uh, rum or beer or wine or, or what have you. And the great conversations that we have, like we're having right now, take place then, but as a lodge instead this of just every meeting you said. Yeah, uh, at mo and at most of the. Most of the lodges that I visit frequently in New York, they do this at every meeting, 12 times a year. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, and it's like it's 50 to 70 people showing up, which is nuts. It's wow. Crazy. Um, so in my mind, you know, a perfect lodge has minimal business, probably doesn't own a building, has a tight, small group of members, um, has a focus on education and philosophy and discussion thereof, you know, interactive participatory discussion amongst brethren either during lodge or after, um, and has, you know, really great festive agape afterwards, you know, where you get together and you eat good food and you have a drink and, you know, you talk about whatever education happened or whatever's on your mind. Uh, that I think it's really important to have, you know, a formal setting when we go into the lodge and we take everything very, very seriously. Um, and then afterwards, be brothers. We are a fraternity. You know, and, and it's, I think a lot of people, you know, who label themselves as, you know, T.O. this or European that, you know, they lose sight of the fact that we are, it's okay to have fun too. It's just got to be at the right place in the right time. Um, so My Perfect Lodge does a little bit of both of that. Um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do the, with the new lodge concept that we're hopefully going to get chartered um, or at least under dispensation within the next few months. It'll be a, a small group. Um, I kind of stole an idea from a lodge here in California that meets. Well, let me start over with saying in California, we have to meet 12 times a year. We have to have a stated meeting. We can't waive it. We can't kick it down the line. Like, we absolutely have to open and close 12 times. Um, but this lodge did something pretty clever. They wanted to put all their funds towards actually meeting above a tavern, you know, and put all their money to doing that. And it was pretty much impossible to afford that 12 times a year. Um, so what they did is they said, well, you know, we'll do our 12 meetings a year, but we'll only do four real meetings a year. So four times a year, quarterly, they invite everyone out for um, a formal lodge meeting. They do the whole white tails and tie thing. They go and meet above, believe it or not, a tavern called the Green Dragon Tavern, um, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty cool and in Carlsbad, California. Uh, and they have, you know, they open, they close, they have an amazing festive board. Um, and the other meetings the rest of the year, the other eight, only officers come and just do quick business. So we're going to kind of try something like that, but six times a year, um, because I think we can yeah. manage that. We can afford to do six formal stated meetings with six really great presenters um, and, you know, see if we can waive reading of the minutes as much as we can for the other six meetings and just get all the business done among officers in those meetings. So. Uh, less commitment, less burnout. You know, of course, there'll be degrees, practices, and whatnot in between special uh, meetings. But that's sort of what we're we're looking to do. That sounds amazing. It does uh, it sounds like the exact blueprint of my other lodge, which uh, was going absolutely awesome, but we kind of built the whole thing around a cult of personality, who we then lost. Right. Um, and it's kind of floundering at the moment, but uh, we're under the same constraints as far as meeting, you know, every single month. 
So that's kind of what we do as well as we have our four big meetings. We do them at the equinoxes and the solstices. Hmm. And um, the other like regular 12 business meetings is just the master and whoever wants to deal with business. Um, right. Which I tell people all about this lodge, like traveling around, and then they come visit like at a random stated meeting. And then all I hear about is what a letdown it is. Like, lodge was like five <laughs> minutes long. Like, they, they just took care of stuff and went home. Right. You no, know, they went out to the bar. You should have gone with them. And you came on the wrong night. <laughs> uh, but we usually try to do a degree and then the festive board, which in our jurisdiction, we have to go do somewhere else because uh, alcohol within like 100 feet of a lodge building will cause you yeah. to burst into flames. <laughs> and get it here. Those rules are so wild. Yeah. Ah, dude. Like we we live we live in 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 I don't even know what to call it, but yeah, just Pennsylvania. That part of the country uh where right. alcohol is still a taboo and uh you know, we still have arguments with certain lodges in certain parts of Pennsylvania. Um, about how discriminating against candidates because of their skin pigmentation will not be acceptable. Right. So if that gives you an idea of how life is here. Yeah. Um, and on that note, Bruce, I, I know I was yelling about this at Lodge to you, but uh, you guys remember me ranting about being part of a Masonic trial and how awful it was? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, in my hands, I have a summons to another one. So <laughs> this is like going to be a regular thing now, apparently. That's what happens when uh, you do a good job. Or the Grandmaster just really doesn't like me or the show, and instead of just telling us to stop, he's going to make also true. suffer with Masonic trials. He's got pressure from the sides. He can't. How many? Is it for your lodge? No, no, no. no, no, no. Um, no. So for some reason in our grand jurisdiction, individual lodges have basically just stopped dealing with their own disciplinary matters. And so now everything just gets sent up to the Grand Lodge. And so there's this formal trial committee and investigation committee first. And basically around here, if you are an attorney who has the fortune of being a brother and the Grand Master finds out, <laughs> that's well, a... this is what you do now. <laughs> And they're all just—they're all just so awful. Like I did not join Masonry to do this, yeah. but here I am. Yeah, playing kangaroo court. So, yeah, I just thought I'd share that with all of you. It's not really relevant. Sorry for interrupting, Brother Godwin, with that. Yeah, uh, I know you're somewhat same, short same on procedure. Time. Same procedures here. Uh, it all goes to Grand Lodge, and a lot of them take place at the annual communication and like. I mean, some of them are really tragic and unfortunate and sad, and some of them are just so absurd. Like, you know, Brother Jimmy punched, you know, Brother John in the face, and it's like you almost have to laugh. Um, you know, people actually attend them because some of them are kind of humorous in that regard, sadly. But same, same deal. Anybody who's a lawyer gets kind of roped into it, and it all takes place with Grand Lodge for the most part. That's interesting. Because yeah. for here, the Lodge is involved. But I now realize how many flaws that it has. And it would be better if members that weren't members of that lodge were in the were in the jury or whatever. Huh. I don't know. I mean, there's 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 pros to both sides, but I can see. Yeah. Yeah. 
the pros are I don't have to worry about your lodge and its misdeeds. Yeah, and hopefully more unbiased. You know, if people you know don't really know each other that well, um, I think you get a, a better fair shot at a you know people being honest with each other. How else are we on the level if you're unless you're unbiased? Well, <laughs> your ideals we strive for. <laughs> yes, We're, yeah. The temple is not yet complete. Exactly. You hear that? Right. On the level, Brian, not on the square. <laughs> the level. In fact, in fact, in fact, no, no, no. Hold on. This is a trial. This involves multiple people. That's the right. No, no. Yeah, I'm totally talking about something out. Worshipful Bruce, what sounds more correct, on the level or on the square? Those, well, that those depends are on context. Phrases. It depends on what you're using them for. Yep. I've never heard on the square before. You do business. Never? Seriously? You do business on the square. Yeah. yeah. Well, you parted upon the square. Or you parted on the square. It's also a thing you do. You, you can part by this. I've heard by the square, on the square, and upon the square. Uh, yes. That just sounds like the dumb virtual master to you, through you, to the brother, around the corner, through the sides, and to our brother in the corner. We do that. That seems excessive. <laughs> I hate that crap. Uh, it might seem excessive, but in a jurisdiction where people don't do that, uh, the floor often rapidly devolves into just shouting across the altar. That's hey, I've seen that happen before. That's the great thing about uh, you know allegory. And got roped into his first trial. Nick, it's multiple things can actually mm. mean multiple things. Yeah, but Brother Brian's uh, car says on the square. And I was looking. At, I've looked at it. It's a beautiful picture. I've looked at it a thousand times. I'm like, something is just not right. And it says, "On the square." And I'm like, on the square. and I finally wait. Oh, last night I was sitting in lodge. I was like, wait a second. That's because it's not right. <laughs> if I tell somebody a secret that I want them to keep masonically, I'll say, "Hey, on the square." Again. So that's what Brian and I were talking about earlier. But we don't say that. We say breast to breast. It sounds like giving away too much information. You'd be on trial in my jurisdiction. <laughs> We're going to edit that part of the show out. <laughs> um, but last night, speaking of long lodge meetings, last night, oh, it was like, I think there was something like 22 things to, on the agenda that the lodge prints out that we went to. We got out at 9.30, but... It started at 7.30, got out at 9.30, uh, and they had so many things to talk about. But it went by really fast. Like, David and I turned to each other, and we're like, holy crap, it's 9.30? We're like, wow, that was actually a pretty good lodge night. But yeah, he did a piece on anti or on, on the anti-Masonic movement. But he, he always includes, like, a lot of really big words. And he's like, oh, the, the blah, blah, blah document from 1725. And I'm like, David, nobody knows what the hell that is. You got to just say an old Scottish Rite document. <laughs> Everyone's just like, how do you know so much about masonry? So it was awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, what does Fauché mean? Uh, James A. Fauché was the founder of the public school system in California. Hmm. And uh, Culver City Fauché is an amalgam of two lodges, Culver City Lodge and James Fauché Lodge. So, it's one of those hyphenated ones where they consolidated, I think, in the 60s. Uh, 
Nice, nice. Yeah. Awesome. So, <laughs> I was going to say, I keep seeing all ask. these. I was going to ask, I keep seeing all these photos on your awesome Instagram that you could totally plug in the show because these people don't care what you plug. Three to six knocks out work. Just, you know. Nah, nah. And, uh, not very discerning. I'm still confused. So you make the Masonic, I'm going to call it Masonic beer from scratch? Make, make the, the what from scratch? The Masonic, quote unquote. Beer. You just skipped over his Instagram, oh, dude. You oh, yeah, let's talk about, about that at beer. all, did you? We're going to get back to that. Uh, yeah, so I, I've, uh, I've been a home brewer for 20 years. Um, so I've made beer on and off, you know, in various quantities for a long time. It's a great hobby. Uh, I could get into, like, a whole fun, and maybe I'll write an article about the alchemy of making beer, but it's kind of neat to take a bunch of raw stuff like sugar and add in you know, some yeast and then you got beer and it's pretty, pretty cool. But, um, a few years ago for a table lodge that we did, we had an idea to do a craft beer tasting as part of the table lodge. And then as part of that tasting, I brewed up about 10 gallons of beer. We did, uh, the rough Ashler Amber beer, paper reflection stout. Um, and it was kind of a hit. People love the beer and they love, we designed labels and made cool bottles and whatnot. Um, and so our chapter this year, our Royal Archer chapter, uh, the high priest and I are really good friends and we work together and he said, you know, what would be really cool is if we did Royal Arch beer, like, and we did like four kinds and we'd, we'd have one, you know, we just have our special Royal Arch beer at the end of each meeting. Um, so we kind of all get together and hang out and we, we brew the beer. Um, so we started out with a Royal Arch red ale and then, uh, we did a triple tau triple, and now we've got a porter of Joppa porter uh, that's, <laughs> that's fermenting right now. Can you do this so, in your house or at the lodge room? You know, uh, we've done it at my house. I've done it at my house a bunch. We, uh, I don't know if I should say that we did it at the lodge, but I'll tell you this. The, the lodge our Royal Edge chapter is in has a wonderful industrial kitchen that is a pleasure to cook things in. Um, Wait. Really easy it. to clean up. Worshipful? You can uh, see yes. my eyes wandering. We, we are not... currently getting ready to invest in an industrial kitchen. So, uh, we already have one. We will be uh, cooking things. So if there were no, 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 no. Descript... I'm talking about Mike's planned upgrades for our kitchen. Oh, yes. I wonder if he could put like a, a curtain or something up and I could just have like a nondescript, uh, <laughs> just, just some like about. stainless steel water apparatus things with maybe some like copper pipe and a coil and a cold water pump and you know, you know you I've, I've, I've heard in, in western Pennsylvania there's a lot of those for sale so I feel like we can probably find some oh, I'm just, my, my family has an a... operative alchemy lecture and just say you know this exactly. is our historical operative alchemy demonstration yes. laboratory you're distilling the corn down to its spirits <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the wine and the oil somehow are involved but yes Somehow. Um, I actually, so I've, I've messed around with what's well, making wine in the past. Um, never got into beer. I wanted to, but I don't really have the facilities for it at the house. I like, I don't have a nice place to let those things ferment at the appropriate temperature. 
and you just inspired me about a place that does. So, <laughs> yeah. this is how our lodge comes to an end. Is gets <laughs> found out by the grandmaster, yeah, who expels exactly. us all, not because we had a still in the lodge, but because we're competing with his family business. <laughs> right. Uh, great. Awesome. No, that's really cool. I don't know why nobody had thought it. Like that could be like a fun group bonding project, Bruce. I agree. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun. And then the best thing is you have beer at the end of the day. Um, well, as long as you don't drink it at the lodge. Our rules are we're allowed to have alcohol on premises as long as it is removed within 24 hours, and oh, really? that the alcohol is purchased or donated by. One brother can't be used. Can't use lodge funds for it. Um, that's the only rule. But we're allowed. I mean, we can't have it in lodge room, of course. And it's probably not a good idea to drink a bunch of beers before lodge, but uh, after certainly. Um, hmm. That's awesome. Well, um, so in your your to type lodge. Uh, I imagine you'll have a, a dress code of, Ask them what yeah. of like yeah, I think shirts that, that all match or <laughs> it's definitely going to be uh, Hawaiian shirts with the lodge logo on it printed <laughs> many, many times um, in lots and lots of different colors. So I, I, I think it'll be pretty cool. It'll be really, really cool and keep us all on the level by wearing our Hawaiian shirts. Uh, you know, I, California in general, or at least Los Angeles in general, has pretty much the same dress code everywhere in that you know, suits are expected and officers are expected to wear tuxedos. Um, so, you know, anything more than that would be pretty unusual, but anything less than that would be pretty unusual as well. Um, the things that tend to be sort of debated are white gloves or no white gloves, you know, there's some rules about what you can do and can't do with white gloves on during ritual. Um, some lodges do the white gloves, some of them don't. We don't currently have any lodges in Los Angeles that do the white tie and tails thing. And I don't think that with our new large lodge concept that we're planning to do that either. I think it's just the expectation of dark suits and tuxedos for officers. Um, you know, is, is and particularly for degrees, I think we'd like to encourage tuxedos for all, uh, but not require it in any way. Um, you know, and of course, I don't think we'd kick anybody out, but, you know, again, the idea here is that this is a small group of people. Um, you're not trying to convince 200 people to do one particular thing. They're coming to join this new lodge concept because they think this is a good idea. And if they don't, then they should go down the street to the other lodge that's all about <laughs> going golfing. I mean, and, you know, there's really a good reason to have a, a golfing lodge. Like, there should be a golfing lodge. Like, I'd like to go visit the golfing lodge, but I don't. I don't want to run it, um, you know. And I think that's the concept of these micro lodges: is that you can have something for everybody. Um, and you know, if our lodge concept isn't right for you for full membership, you're more than welcome to come visit, throw your tuxedo on, and come say hi and check out a lecture, <laughs> have a great dinner. Um, you don't have to pay dues. You don't have to do that. And you know, some of these lodges I was talking about in New York are similar in that regard, in that you know they're really strict about membership. They're really strict about affiliations. Um, they won't even accept affiliates because they're like, why? You know, you, you visit six times a year. You don't need to be an affiliate. We don't need your money. Um, just come and hang out. 
and, and that's sort of a similar model that I think we'd like to like to do. But I think having a high standard address matters. I think, you know, if you have a feeling that you know, a lodge is somewhat of a spiritual space and that you're doing important work there, even if it's not spiritual, but building yourself up, well, I think it's worth trying to dress the best that you can to be able to put yourself in that mindset. Definitely. It's weird to hear you say that you're not going to run the lodge into the ground just to get more members. That's that sounds clandestine <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, I love the idea. He keeps using the phrase micro lodge. And, you know, we, we kind of touched on this last show, but it used to be like 100 years ago, it was in the Constitution where a lodge couldn't have more than 50 members. And yeah. They, they just they broke off and started their own lodge, which right. I, you know, I personally, I kind of love that idea. I kind of wish that's how it was done. Now, it, it makes sense to me, like you were saying, it's common guys with common interests. Once you start getting 200 plus people and more than half of them don't show up ever. Unless there's a vote. Yeah. But yeah. isn't that what the... necessitates that. Isn't that what the York Wright College is? Or is that AMD or something? Where you're only allowed 27 members and then you have to create a new one? They split off, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about putting that in our bylaws that a certain certain size will stop accepting members and split it off. I don't know. Um, it, it seems like maybe we don't want to, like, lock ourselves into that this early of the stage, but... Um, it's been discussed, at least philosophically, that getting big is not getting better. Um, you know, there, some of the struggles we have with getting this lodge off the ground are costs. You know, we're broke. Like, we have zero dollars to start, right? So you need some money. Um, there are some advantages, too. Less people to feed, less people to clothe. You know, you don't own a building, so the rent's low. You know, so the costs are lower in general. But you don't have the 100 ghost members sending in 80 bucks a year to fund the rest of your fees. So, you know, mm. if anyone's expecting a hundred dollar dues, it's not going to happen with this lodge. You know, we're looking at, you know, $300 dues plus a $200 affiliation. And that works with like 20 people. You know, you can, you can do it with six big meetings a year plus degrees that works. Well, as you said that that was going to be my next question. We're, 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 we're big on uh, dues talk on this show. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's interesting. Even I even think three hundred is is low. I would, but, I would think so for there. But, but especially being in California, I mean, in Los Angeles, like. But if you don't own your own building, that's just yeah, it. I mean, our rent is you know averages to like two hundred would average to about two hundred dollars a month, so it's not very much. Um, you know, the discussion is. Should we raise dues more than that? We're already talking about raising dues, right? We don't even exist. <laughs> um, you know, we started out with three sixty-five. <laughs> the idea that like, if you can't spare a buck a day, like what are you doing? Like this is not right. for you. Um, that's where we kind of started, and we've kind of pulled it back a little bit. That you know, for the founding members, it's going to be a minimum of five hundred bucks up front. Plus, hopefully, you can donate a little bit more to be a charter member. Um, but the big debate was, do we charge for meals or not? You know, and everybody kind of felt like, look, I'd rather my, my dues be a little bit lower. And then because that upfront number is high for me to pay because I don't have a lot of cash today, but I can scrape together 40 bucks for a great dinner six times a year. Like I can plan yeah. on that. That $40 right. hit is not that big a deal. Um, to, to be able to have provided free dinners to all members, 
you know, we would have been looking at closer to $500 uh, per person per year in dues to be able to do that. So it was a way to really just kind of spread the costs around. And we have a big you know, um, spreadsheet that kind of models everything out. I'm, I'm big on, you know, business models and startups and do, that's kind of what I do in my, my regular life. So we have a flexible model built out in Google Sheets that allows us to play with things like, well, what if we have 15 members? I mean, where, at what month do we go into the red? Okay, so we're going to need to raise dues this much for 15. Well, what if we have 20? Well, okay, then we lower dues to this. And you know, we've just kind of been playing those numbers up and down. And uh, in two weeks, we'll be reconvening to meet and hopefully firm up the commitment to get our dispensation and we'll lock in where the dues will be. And I suspect we're going to go with 300 plus 200 to uh, affiliate. Nice. Maybe I wonder if you guys could. So in Florida, it's a minimum of $200 that the lodge has to pay. Uh, the Grand Lodge of Florida, I believe, it, to become a life member or perpetual member. So maybe if you even offered something like if you want to be, you know, a perpetual member in the beginning, a thousand dollars and you never pay dues for the rest of your life you know what i mean yeah it's really strictly uh managed here in california so it's a multiplier based on what age bracket you're in so i think like if really? you're under under 40 it's like 20 times dues if you're over oh. 50, like five times dues um and it's all managed by the grand lodge in terms of strictly how you can offer a life membership so we can but if a lot of the guys are in their 40s it'd be pretty pretty pricey up front I mean, it would it would build a nice war chest for the lodge right out of the gate, which would be great. But um, I mean, it'd be a, a huge amount of dough for most people to do. Um, some people do it. I mean, I know lots of guys who have life memberships at, at other lodges for for sure, but they're all older, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're they're kind of strict about it. The only other thing I, I would say is, you know, we also, in addition to the three hundred dollars, we're going to have per capita, which is what we kick up to the Grand Lodge. That's separate. Right. So yeah. that way, if we change the dues structure in the bylaws, per capita is a separate thing. We don't have to talk about it. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah that way, you know, so if per capita goes up from 45 bucks to 60, it's not, we don't have to talk about changing dues to cover it. It's just in the bylaws, right. like per capita is extra. Hmm. Yeah, there's a, a bunch of young guys just got a lifetime membership at one of the local lodges. And what they did is they were allowed to pay it over, I think, like two years or something. And they're like, look, I, I could eat you know noodles every day for two years if it means I don't have to pay dues for the next eighty, right? You know, so just some ideas. Um, yeah, who who pays for the the jewels, uh, that kind of stuff? So we're we're looking at a few different options in that regard. Um, we're looking at maybe having like a internal Kickstarter. <laughs> Uh, where we can, you know, with certain amounts of donations from charter members, we'll, we'll give you, you know, uh, your jewel will have your name and the year inscribed on it, you know, that you bought. Oh, that's cool. Or you paid for will have your name on oh. it or you know, some sort of tiered thing like that would, would go with your donation level to help get that off the ground. Worst comes to worst, though, because we'll be renting from an existing lodge, and they have all the stuff and furniture and whatnot. We'd really, really like to have our own regalia um, out of the gate. But if we're short on things like, you know, rods and chairs and batons and the sword and all that stuff, all, all of that is going to um, be available for us to use as part of our rent. So um, 
we've got it if we don't quite get enough cash to put it together. Also, uh, my wife owns a clothing company, so I've been talking to her about having her her local vendors make collars and aprons for us for really, really cheap out of really, really good stuff. And uh, I think that's probably going to work out where we can have nice actual lambskin um, custom made, you know, with our lodge logo emblazoned on it and that kind of stuff for far, far less than you pay for cheap plastic stuff out of McCoy. Big difference if you can get that stuff at a good price. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man! Oh. It's exciting. It is. It's really exciting. Hopefully, it com- comes together. It's a bit, we've actually been working on this for like a year. It's only really gained a lot of momentum in the last like five months. Um, Grand Lodge is really behind this. They, they've done a lot of really good things and, that are smart. I mean, I almost hate to say that about any Grand Lodge, but they, <laughs> they've made it easy. So, like, even you know, setting up like they're going to set up your bank account, like they're going to take care of your taxes and do all your bookkeeping for you, and all of that stuff is going to be centralized through a portal online um, through the Grand Lodge website. So, the secretary and treasurer have far less responsibility um, than they used to if they use the Grand Lodge tools. And their idea is like, you know, look, we want you guys to be Masons. We want you to make Masons. We want you to do what you want to do. We don't want you doing paperwork and then effing up and then the IRS is up all of our collective butts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it is it is smart. And it is hopefully, you know, we're trying to convince some people to be uh, secretary and treasurer right now. And we're like, look, we're only going to really do six things a year. Um, we're only gonna have 20 members. There's not a lot to you know to take care of. Yeah. There's not a lot of paperwork. There's not a whole lot of stuff to do. This is not a big job. And Grand Lodge is gonna do like 80 percent of the job. You just kind of need to show up and, and sit there, do your lines. Um, but but it's really smart on their part because it's ma- removing a lot of roadblocks from people getting together and chartering new lodges. Very cool. Man, I'm kind of jealous. Like that, we don't get to start a new lodge. But then at the same time, it's like we're doing enough with York, right? I'm like, I don't envy you at all. Yeah, so, I hear you there, man. Huh? A, a new lodge is one of those things for me that's always been where it it seems like a great idea in your head, but then as soon as you start, you know, planning it out and all that, you're just like. <laughs> although I guess that's just me. Clearly, that's not Brian. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of obsessed it with. Sounds like you've got it all. Starting starting companies and things like that. And a lodge is, in a way, it's really similar to a business. There's branding involved. There's budgets right, involved. Right, right. You know, I mean, the work is different. The work that we do is completely different than a business. But the startup aspects are very, very similar. Um, you know, So that part for me is actually kind of fun, sort of hmm. masochistically, I guess. <clears throat> no, I can what? see that. If you're, if you're business-minded, it would definitely help. I mean, the goal of a lodge wouldn't be the same as a business, but like you said, a lot of the startup stuff is very similar, I would guess. Yeah. <clears throat> just hopefully it's just not like your uh, Instagram troubles. <laughs> well, hopefully they're not an army of bots trying to keep me keep me down, but I don't know, man. There might be an army of other Masons trying to keep this project down, so <laughs> it might actually oh, be man. really similar. <laughs> yeah, so Brian has an Instagram that I mentioned, and... Uh, both him and I, because I'm trying to grow ours as well. Uh, oh, here, tell the story. Tell us the history of the and go go through that whole thing. Okay, I, I'll, I'll keep it brief. But there, I was having a conversation with my wife and a friend of hers. Um, there may have been one of the wages of a fellow craft involved in this uh, conversation. <laughs> maybe maybe a lot of one of those wages. Um, and 
someone was say, telling me about this idea of a micro celebrity. If you have 10,000 Instagram followers, you're a micro celebrity and you can make money doing it. And I said, that's ridiculous. I could get 10,000 followers like in a month or two <laughs> instantly. I, I ne I've like never used Instagram. I don't even know what it is and I'm bragging about it. <laughs> I'm like, you guys understand that we have a captive audience, you know, Masons, they'll do anything, they're, they'll buy anything, they subscribe to everything. They're joiners by nature, we can just, I can do this. And so I made a bet, a stupid bet, that will not win. Well, uh, let, me, let me tell you where you're, you're messing up, Brian. I've, I've been on your Instagram and there's like awesome pictures of this, uh, 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 the Chamber of Reflection. You should just make an entire Instagram dedicated to your hair that would get 10,000 like that. Just call it the hair. You know, just yep. great shots of my hair. There you go. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. It, it, it isn't easy. I've, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about, you know, social networking and the mechanics of it and how all these algorithms are programmed and, you know, kind of stacked against rapid growth. Like they really try and curtail growth from going too fast because people cheat the system and mm -hmm. I'm not cheating the system but I got crazy crazy rapid growth from a reddit post and it was like I got 200 followers like in a day and I think it flagged all kinds of stuff with Instagram and they're like deleting accounts and spread yep. it all huh. and it, you might be shadow banned which is always fun yeah Could be. Uh, I mean I'm still getting likes so I think maybe not but maybe <clears throat> oh. So Instagram does this fun thing with shadow bands where they make it such that you can't really tell right that you've been banned but your stuff just doesn't show up to other people like it's supposed to and uh, people can still like you so you don't feel the urge to go create another account right you're just banging your head against the wall like why why am I not growing yeah um, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on and we even kind of figured out that a bunch of people got forcibly unsubscribed in, yep. in the last week, which is weird. Wow. Yeah, I saw weird. that. In a former life, did some stuff with the uh, with the Black Hat Forum. If you're not familiar with that, the... Uh, no way, did you? Marketers. And uh, I'm very familiar with Instagram's secret algorithms. And mm. by very familiar, I just mean I've been a victim of them. I don't actually know how they work. Right. Oh, we were so excited if you actually knew what was going on. I mean, I've got a lot of speculations, but they're the same speculations everyone else has. They keep it real hush-hush because if people figure it out, they'll exploit it. Right. Like half of internet marketing now is, is people just gaming the system. So Absolutely. as soon as someone figures it out, there's a horde of people exploiting whatever the hole was. Yeah. I think the problem, I, I'm just so tired of Facebook. Like, you log on Facebook, and there's just so much crap. Oh, mm -hmm. It's like everybody. I think I unfollow more people. Oh, it's just, even like old grandmas are talking about <laughs> Hillary Clinton's emails, and <laughs> young grandmas are talking about how Donald Trump is God, and you're just like, oh, shut up. Yeah. Yes. This is why I don't I don't go on Facebook. We have Nick to administer the After Lodge Facebook account and I log in to make announcements about our breakfast. I log in to well now to post the show link like I did last week and uh occasionally my wife makes me so I can approve something she put on my timeline. 
Right. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I'm headed there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we need going old school, man. IRC and going go. back to Usenet. I feel oh, like really? there were less trolls on Usenet than there are on modern social media. That's Those how bad did. things have become. Did you guys see the video I linked you to today from Brian? Uh, no? no? No, you guys didn't. Because you no, guys would have been read, like, hell yeah, the, that was I awesome. I read the blog post. Not see you can't read a text message saying watch this video and have that count as <laughs> no, 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 watch. No, 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 the post on his blog. I guess that not was that one. Him, yes, that was him, but that, that's a different thing. So I'm he works on it right now. You posted it in the sidebar. It's pretty awesome. Dude, please hold. Well, after Lodge watches the video, that next time. <laughs> four right. hours ago. Take a video break. <laughs> <clears throat> so Brian, listening, we will have the link to the video in the show notes watch along Brian, Brian why don't you tell us a little bit about your company your position there and this awesome video I'm referencing sure uh, so I own a company called uh, Shade Visual Effects uh, we do digital special effects for television and movies um, we have two offices one in New York City one in Santa Monica um, we have a host of all kinds of awesome artists and technicians and programmers and whatnot that help us create the invisible and impossible um, into reality for filmmakers. Basically, anything that is impossible or unsafe to actually do on a movie set is where we come in and, and make it happen. Uh, you know, our clients are everyone from HBO to Netflix to Marvel to Warner Brothers, uh, Paramount, etc. Um, we work with all the major major film studios and a lot of fun TV stuff too. Um, but you know, if you ever seen the the making of at the back of any DVD, that's what we are. That's what we do. So the video you guys are referencing is our demo reel and some of our most recent work. Although we're about to update it in the coming weeks, a bunch of new stuff. And uh, you know, it's that's uh, that's how I spend most of my days is working with a, a bunch of nerdy artists that are really into making movies. <laughs> You so is that, watching, is that something you've always done? It is. I've been doing this about twenty years. Wow. Okay. So let me ask. Uh, since you joined the lodge, has that had any kind of bearing on on your work? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, infinitely more patient, um, far less judgmental. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, no, sincerely like uh, it's it's been very helpful and impactful. Uh, you know, our our tools and. Um, work really does help me in my day-to-day -day work in terms of keeping my cool and, and really just trying to, you know, see things for what they are. Uh, still working on dividing my time a bit. That's never that easy. Um, you know, you've always got something tugging on you here or there. But it, I, I would say, yeah, it's had a really positive impact. And then some of the things we were talking about earlier about being sort of an older form of meditation or group spirituality or whatever you want to call it, you know, going to lodge when it's good is an incredibly helpful, peaceful, relaxing um, brain saver. And, and that has given me stability. Uh, you know, when I don't go to lodge a lot, my wife's like, what's going on with you? You know, um, and uh, I would say, yeah, it's, it's definitely helped in my business. Hmm. Cool. Not in the way of people might think, though, where you meet contacts and 
You know, I'm not meeting famous, famous movie producers at Lodge, that's for sure. <laughs> and everyone you do meet is not going to be good for you in business. That is, yeah. <laughs> we did a whole episode called Bro Bono. Yeah. 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 It's doing business well, around Lodge will make you broke. We, we do actually have two brothers that work in the company right now. And uh, it's funny, we had, we had an artist that was working here, and uh, we, were, we were having a party for a movie we wrapped up. And everyone was having some drinks and was talking to him, and, and uh, he made some aside comment about news at a Masonic lodge. I said, "You're a Mason?" And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "You're kidding? I'm a, I'm a Mason. How come you haven't asked me about it?" Like, I mean, you know, I'm like, you know, look, "Look at my arm, dude. I got like this. Whoops, you can't see it there, but I've got this crazy tattoo that you should recognize." And I wear a lodge hat all the time. And he's like, "Oh, I never." I'm like, "So what, what lodge are you a member of in Los Angeles?" And he goes, "Yeah, Culver City Fauche." And I go. Nope. Kidding? You gotta be kidding me, dude. He's he's like, yeah, I just haven't been in a long time. Turns <laughs> <laughs> out he's legitimately a member of my lodge, and he just, and he's worked funny. for me for like a year before I found wow. out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, one of the guys in the IRC, a I don't a e a e Lord T a Lord T whatever. Yeah. He said, uh, Bongo, what are your thoughts on using VFX and masonry, particularly in the Scottish Rite? I just thought that would be a great I, idea. I actually have a strong opinion about it. I mean, I am not, I'm a Southern Masonic jurisdiction guy. Um, I'm not super active, but I do, I do degree work. Uh, I don't go all the time unless there's a degree. I've witnessed the big stage performances, and then I've also been a part of the degrees that are written for the lodge room. And I'm actually a bigger fan of the degrees written for the lodge room than the ones to designed for stage. And there's two sets of instructions for the um, Scottish Rite degrees. And, you know, the intimacy that you can have with a really well-performed lodge-based Scottish Rite, Rite degree is profound. And, you know, there's some visuals and slides and things for, for some of the lessons that are taught that you just you have to have. But, um, you know, I think the thing that we do and do so well is, is absence of technology. You know, uh, I think we want to get away from technology when we're in, in Lodge. And I think that the, uh, you know, impressions made by tools well selected to imprint upon a mind are done so in a very old school way for a very specific reason that is not digital and is not tangible and is intangible. And I think the intangibility of that is precisely what creates uh, impact on people. So if we set up a virtual Lodge room with, headset and goggles and all that stuff it might be really cool for a mason who's already done it but i think for a new initiate it would strip a lot of the power out of you know personal physical contact it's a very good reason none of the uh, working tools are a computer right <laughs> that's probably what? not anyway but what i what? they didn't have social media or anything back then like this wasn't a real thing that's the point that's what we're saying yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking oh. to his point. Oh, so we're picking and choosing what we should bring into the future. This is like Albert Pike's statue. No, we're talking about the tools that were applicable then, how they're applicable now, regardless of whatever else is happening. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. Hey, speaking of which, Thanks. on the, on the, on the, uh, on the subreddit, uh, Chris Hodap called Albert Pike a. Uh, SOB. Mm. That was like, hilarious. 
I was like, damn, <laughs> like, holy crap, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do that <laughs> for a bunch of reasons. Anyway, but yeah, if you watch the FX video. On a statue, though. <clears throat> oh, he, didn't, he didn't do it. Um, we don't know that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> anyway, but I watched the so the video we're talking about is the reel of like the highlights of all the movies and TV shows that Brian's done, and I watched it and it ruined so many shows for me. <laughs> like, yeah, there should be a big no big spoilers tag on our website, I suppose. Well, it's not the spoilers. It's like, uh, what's the show with the cricket, Jiminy Cricket, not Jiminy Cricket. The, with the kids. The, oh, Lemony Snicket. Le, yeah, the, Lemony Snicket. And like, unfortunate events, yeah. That one. I'm like, dang, those kids are rowing that boat. And then I see your video. I'm like, oh, they didn't row anything. They no. pretended to push off a piece of wood. No, the baby wasn't even real. <laughs> the baby wasn't real? And like half the shots. Yeah. Ruining the magic, man. That's why you never ask a magician how the trick is done. Unfortunately, I get paid for showing people how we do it. That's right, how we right. pay people yeah. hire us. <laughs> no shame in that, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it was uh, Coldcraft or Dumbfounded in the IRC wanted... What do you want you to do, Brian? Paint them on a, on a dragon on a or dragon. something? <laughs> yeah, he goes, can you make a video of me on a dragon? No problem. And you're like, yeah, no problem. But then you said... He needs to send me uh, $15,000 worth of Bitcoin, minimum. <laughs> and that's the that's the bro bono price. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. That's funny. But yeah, I think it's really cool. You guys should go see the video. Uh, also, my kids... Oh, A.E. Lorty said his kids, thank you for your work on unfortunate events. Oh, well, they're very well. Just don't show them how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. What a oh! And you're also tell them what you might get later this year. Oh yeah, well we are we are nominated for an Emmy for Westworld, so we'll know uh, early September. Oh, that's awesome! Fingers crossed. I love Westworld. Where's that was a lot of fun. Uh, Westworld two is just starting up, so we're excited about it. Oh, I can't wait. Harley. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We might see him on TV and be like, oh, look at that. There's a Mason in TV. <laughs> Never seen one of those before. Yeah. Never seen. You know, that's a new thing. Cowboy. It's going to happen one of these years. Now, see, you're far too humble. But as anyone who listens to the show or knows me or have met me for like two seconds knows, I'm not. I try to be. I try to be, but it doesn't work. Would you like to tell the people who, who you were hanging out with? Uh, a couple weeks ago on the airplane, sitting like right oh, next to the dude, but it's not the first time. With, sitting next to Spike Lee, was that the, is that the story? You yeah. Made? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It was just like, it was like an airplane full of uh, celebrities. You get it a lot going back and forth between New York and LA. Um, so it, it, it was, it was pretty funny. I, I was actually more impressed when I saw D Snyder from Twisted Sister uh, <laughs> in the uh, lounge. <laughs> And he, and he had a big D. Snyder sweater on, and like he was like self-promoting himself. And I was of like, "That's really did. ridiculous." <laughs> D. Snyder's got a D. Snyder. So, so then I get on the plane, and I'm, I'm sitting next to Spike, and Spike gets up to go to the bathroom, and I kid you not, he's wearing a leather jacket with a giant Spike Lee face on the back that says Spike Lee. That's awesome. 
So I guess he and D have something in common. Do you, man, and you just like, cause, but you're in Los Angeles. So it's, I mean, you're a celebrity, they're a celebrity. It's kind of like, yeah, we're celebrities. I mean, you know, it's not like I was like, hey, dude, like, can I work on your next movie? I, I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, who's your favorite celebrity that you've ran into? Uh, you know, I don't run into a lot of them, honestly. I don't interact with too many of them. I interact with a lot of film directors that aren't necessarily famous. Um, my favorite film director that I worked with was John Favreau uh, of Iron Man fame. Um, super cool guy. We did a movie called Chef together. We bonded over a love of barbecue and food and movies um, and got to hang out quite a bit. Um, actually, hey, here's this is kind of funny. This is, uh, I don't know if you guys will be able to see this, but this is my Chef Challenge coin. So, That's neat. Yeah, he was give, giving out all of these, and he gives them out on all of his shows. He's always got challenge coins for the whole crew. Um, it's kind of a fidget spinner for me. I, I keep all my goofy challenge coins, like my York Wright challenge coin on the desk. To, Ooh, that one's pretty. Occupied. Um, but anyway, yeah, John's a great guy. Um, ben Affleck, also a great guy to work with. Um, really good director. So fortunate to, to work with some people like that. Well, that's awesome. Is there, uh, is there anything else you uh, wanted to talk about, Brian, before we... Uh... No, I just want to say thanks for having me on, guys. This was a lot of fun. Um, this was a lot, you know, really, really enjoyable to chat and tell you a bit about what I do and, uh, you know, look forward to catching future episodes. I'm, I, the, the format's gaining on me. I get it now. I get it now. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, please plug in, plug all your, uh, all your awesome stuff and we'll be sure to include a link on Facebook and in the show notes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah, check it out. I'll, I'm definitely going to try and uh, get some good articles going once a week and have a nice bunch of stuff like I was talking about that started off our educational program. Um, I'll be recycling a little bit of that on uh, my blog to hopefully spur me to write some more stuff and, and share some of that material that just kind of has disappeared over the last few years. So Keep your eyes peeled for it, and hopefully you guys like it. And also, let's say anybody listening who does read any of my stuff and has feedback, like this sucks or this bad or do this differently, tell me because uh, it's the only way to get better is to get some feedback. So feel free to leave comments. But you didn't include the name of your things. Oh, yeah, freemasonlifestyle.com. Yes. What? Also, that's the name of the Instagram. Yep, freemasonlifestyle is the Instagram. Freemasonlifestyle.com is the blog. Uh, it's kind of a goofy name. It was available, and I took it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. All right, guys. I should probably get rolling. My in-laws are in town and probably wondering what I'm up to. So. Uh, that's, that, that's why we've tried to land you as long as possible, Brian. I actually very much appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, thanks again for coming on, and I'm sure we will talk to you in the future. Sounds yeah. great, guys. Thanks again. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, Brother Godwin. And uh, I guess this is it for episode 175 of the After Lodge podcast. You can find the show notes for this or any previously published episode at www.afterlodge.com. You can find us on Facebook under just After Lodge. Shoot us an email at afterlodge at gmail.com. Hang out with us on IRC at irc.snoonet.org. Pound sign Freemasonry where you can... Hang with the rabble rousers and view the live stream and yell at us. And some of us even look occasionally during the show. 
Uh, and of course, the best place to find us during the week, if you didn't know already, is the Freemasonry and After Lodge subreddits. So if you're not on Reddit, you are missing out on the Internet Masonic Community de Jour. So get on Reddit, and until next week, brothers, we'll see you on the other side. Later. Later. Take care. 13 months old. You don't understand